Hey, good morning, all. Um, I want to pull a bit of an audible this morning um, and cut into my sermon time a little bit, but that's okay because uh, this matters a lot more. Um, I just Maybe you know about this. I just found out about this morning, um, just about what's been happening in Pakistan this week. Um, there's been 39 churches that have been burned down. Uh, 200 homes of Christian families that have been burned down, and I'm, I was told this morning that the only reason people aren't being hurt is because they're fleeing, because they're getting away. Um, it just seemed appropriate for us as a church to take a moment to pray for our brothers and sisters. Um, so could we do that together for a moment? Father, we come to you with, um, man, it's just my mind is racing. And we just beg you and pray for you, to you for, for our brothers and sisters who are suffering so deeply right now because they trust in you, because they hope in you, because they claim to know you and want to share that truth. We just pray for their protection. We pray for your care for them, but we also ask, God, that you'd make them strong. We pray that you would allow them to hold strong to you, to see you at work, and to hold on to the faith that you've given us. Lord, we know there's, there's nothing tangible we can do here right now other than just come to you, the one who cares and works and who has been leading his church for generation after generation. So we just ask you and pray that you will be a blessing to your church in Pakistan. And we pray too for those who are perpetrating this and we just try to put into practice what you taught us to do to pray for our enemies. Pray that you'd stop them. Pray that you'd change their hearts. Move us in response to this, Jesus, however you want to lead us. We are your servants. Amen. Okay. It's a good way to spend time together as a church, right? Yeah. If you were... Uh, if you benefited uh, from being here last week as well, you got, to, you got to benefit from hearing from Sharon, who spoke and shared what a gift that was, what a gift she is. And, um, you know, as, as I was listening to her, it occurred to me again, I've thought this many times, but what a gift she and Larry and many others like them. And what I mean by that is people that have been here for decades serving and praying and caring and um, yeah, contributing to our church. I've had this conversation with Sharon and Larry a couple times where I've said like, I feel like I'm standing on their shoulders and the shoulders of them, of those like them who have been here for decades and allowed us to have the church that we have today in part because of letting God work through them. What a gift that is, right? To have a church that we have such a history of people that have served together. And listening to Sharon's testimony and um, others that have shared already. And it just reminded me again of how when we hear people's testimonies, 
it starts to resonate with us. We start to hear a bit of our story in theirs. And uh, I have found, and perhaps you have as well, that this is true when we read the scriptures, right? That when we read the scriptures, we see people whose stories we resonate with. And this shouldn't surprise us really because these are real people we're reading about. These are real people who are experiencing God in ways that perhaps we have and we see our story, we see our story in them. And what um, is significant for me is not only do we see people who experience Jesus, who experience his love and his power, my mind often goes to his disciples, especially the 12 who spent so much time with him. What I resonate with is not only the experiences they have with him, but the parts where they are unsure about who he is, right? You know those stories of the disciples where they're unsure, where they still do things their own way, where they still make their own decisions and they have to be corrected, or even where they still fail drastically. And I resonate with that because I look at that and I'm like, oh, that's just like me, where I still fail, I still wander away from Jesus. So just some, some quick highlights um, of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, Judas uh, was a close friend to Jesus. He spent three years with him and yet got to a point where he actually betrayed his friend, where after everything he's experienced with Jesus, everything that he's seen him do, he betrays his friend and actually sells him out literally for some money and uh, gets Jesus arrested, which leads to his execution. Um, or Peter, a really close friend of Jesus, you know, has seen Jesus do amazing things, has walked on water with Jesus, has watched Jesus bring people back from the dead, has heard everything Jesus has to teach, and yet still uh, he denies Jesus. When it comes down to it, the night that Jesus is arrested, he just denies even knowing him. Or then just the disciples in general, when Jesus is arrested, you know, just all abandon him. And this is a theme for them, right? There's an ongoing theme in the lives of Jesus' disciples, and it's one that I see in my life as well, which is simply that we're prone to wander. Like the song we just sang, we are prone to wander away from Jesus. We're prone to go our own way and disregard what Jesus has taught us and how he's led us and what he calls us to, and it highlights our shortcomings. And I share this because many of us, probably all of us in some way or another, have felt, maybe we're feeling right now, like our shortcomings in ourselves, we feel like we're not enough. You might be feeling that right now this week, that this is what you're experiencing. We feel like our shortcomings, they just, you know, these things about ourselves that we regret, uh, that we feel like they mean, well, maybe now I don't belong. Maybe because of what I've done or where I've been or what I've experienced, that I don't belong, that I don't matter, that I'm just not wanted by people, but not just by people, not just by the church, but by Jesus himself. Does that feel familiar to anyone today? Maybe it's been in your past or maybe it's something you're feeling today. Like who we are or what we've done simply means that Jesus couldn't love us and Jesus doesn't want us around. I'm sure many of us have had that thought. You know, the one, this, this thought, maybe this is familiar, the one that says what we've done or even who we are somehow means that we are beyond God's love because we've gone too far. Is that familiar? Because of, you know, we, we've avoided Jesus for too long. We've done our own thing for too long. And now we are beyond hope. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, serving as a pastor, I get to have a lot of these important conversations. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, this sort of thing. And I can tell them, you know, hey, I want you to know that God truly loves you. But then they say back to me, listen, if you only knew what I've done, you wouldn't say that God loves me. If you only knew what I've been through, you wouldn't say that I'm welcome. 
and they would say that God's grace might reach everyone else, but I'm just too far gone. Does that sound familiar to you? I've heard that a lot, and a big part of my story is that I've said that a lot as well in my life. And so uh, this series is called Testify, Not Vague Allusions to My Life, and so I want to give you a couple uh, specific examples, um, key parts of my life that have shaped me in that where I have wandered away from God and what that has meant and, and where, where I think God meets us in that. I want to share about that with you because, um, yeah, I have for various reasons. I've decided to walk away from God. I've been prone to wander. And I'm sharing these stories because I want to testify to the truth that there is no such thing as being too far gone that there's no such thing as being too far gone for God's love and God's grace. And this isn't just something that I know to be true intellectually, but that I've experienced in my life because I felt like in my wandering, I've gone too far and I found that God can reach me there. And things can happen to make us feel far from Jesus. We can make choices and decisions that intentionally take us away from Jesus. But again, I want to testify that nothing can take us beyond his capacity to forgive and to welcome us back to participate as members of his family. And this message is going to be for, for all of us, right? For those of us who feel like we keep messing up so that we aren't welcome. Perhaps we're stuck in some cycle of habit or something that we just feel like we're, we're, we're trapped in, we can't get out of. This message is for those of us there. For those of us who are afraid to admit our failures, like there's something in us that if we were to admit that this was a problem, that we would not only be rejected by people around us, but God himself would finally say, I'm, I'm done with you. This message is going to be for you. And for those who feel that maybe they've created too big a wall between themselves and Jesus, just been gone for too long maybe, that this message is also for you. Because the truth is that God's love and welcome is for anyone and everyone in those spaces. So I'm kind of giving you the end result at the beginning, right? Yeah, that's where we're headed. And so I want to share a few stories with you that might highlight our main point today, which is simply this. Our main point is that God's grace and God's mercy, that God's love for us mean that we are always welcome back to be close to him and to participate in his work. That's our main point, that God's grace and his mercy, that his love for you and for me mean that we are always welcome back to be close to him and to participate in his work. So here's just three stories from where I have felt like I've wandered away. The first is one that comes out of suffering and struggle. Well, that comes out of a really tough time in my life. When our youngest daughter um, was born, um, she was incredibly uh, colicky and, and she had reflux. Actually, both our girls were like this. And I've shared a little bit about this in the past year. And so what that meant is that rather than being the sweet bundle of joy, she was this little basket of hell that came into our home. And um, I don't say that lightly. Like it, it, felt, it was 18 months of a hellish experience. And um, I remember one day in this experience, uh, I was chatting with someone, and I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? And they're like, oh, man, I slept like a baby last night. And I, I remember thinking, you must feel awful, because like, babies don't sleep. And um, it was an incredibly intense time. I remember saying to my wife, you know that sleep deprivation is a form of torture, right? This is what we're experiencing. It was, it was really brutal. And in that time, you know, I was... Um, reading my Bible at one point. I remember I had Emery in my arm. I was in the chair rocking and trying to keep her asleep. So I'm reading the Bible and I get to Psalm 68, um, 19 to 20, which reads this, praise the Lord, praise God our Savior for each day he carries us in his arms. Our God is a God who saves, the sovereign Lord rescues us from death. And I remember reading that, shutting off my phone and um, in a very quiet voice saying, how dare you call yourself good? How dare you call yourself good? Like, you're, like I said, you're not helping me. And I just got to a point where I was like, this, this is ridiculous. Like, what, what is this? 
And there's more I could share, but um, I want to give two other examples. Um, another one for me is less of a, a time and, and place for me, but more of this theme in my life of, of wandering. It really has everything to do with wandering away from Jesus because of distraction. And um, for me, my distraction over and over again and wandering away from Jesus, sometimes really far, sometimes just for short periods, is this distraction of, of trying to create stability and security for myself through, through wealth. And Jesus teaches about this. There's a story he tells about the farmer and the seed. And this farmer that throws the seed, and Jesus said, the, the seed is, is the gospel. It's the good news that God loves you. It's the good news that God's kingdom is here. And there's different examples of, of where the seed falls, but there's this one kind of soil that it falls on. The seed, you know, it, it plants, it takes root, and it grows up, and things are looking good, but then there's weeds there, and they choke out the plant, and they keep it from really thriving. And Jesus says, those are distractions, like, like wealth and your own sense of security. And I have so many times in my life, I've been, you know, just... Um, in my mind, trying to think, God, how do I, or I wasn't saying to God, I'm saying to myself, how do I create more security for myself? How can I, you know, generate a bit more income? What, what can I do with the side hustle? How can I save a little bit more? What can I sell to get a little bit more money in, in my bank account and create stability? And over and over again, this has been a struggle for me where I've wandered away from trusting that God cares for me, wandered away from his direction and way for our life because I've been trying in my own way. And Jesus says, uh, quite clearly in his scripture, you can't trust money and me at the same time. You can't serve God and me. And I have many times wandered away and tried to serve money instead of God. And I've, I've been distant from him and, and walked away. And so, you know, distraction and that sort of um, creating my own stability has been another way that I have felt just really far from God and wondered, can I, can I get back after that? How do I do this? And then there was even um, a time in my life, this is going back a little ways, but I remember this time in my life, I don't even remember what led up to this. I don't remember what the, the tipping point was for this, but it was about six months of my life where I just felt like I'm done with God. Like I'm just, this is over. I don't think any of this is, is real or necessary. I think this is just ridiculous. And um, I, I want nothing to do with it. Wasn't interested in praying, wasn't interested in reading my Bible. I remember this one time in this season where I was in a car with two other people and they were talking with each other about what God was doing in their life. About, they were sharing about how he's leading them and how much they, they love him and, and what they're experiencing with them. And I'm driving and I remember being so furious that they would talk about this. I was literally just gripping the handle. I was like, I'm so angry that they would have this ridiculous, stupid conversation. And the crazy part about this is like, I was pastoring at this time. I'm still like leading Bible studies and telling people about how to follow God, but I had none of it in my life and in my heart. And so if you're thinking right now, how is this guy one of our pastors? I wouldn't blame you. I wondered that myself too. Like, Lord, what are you doing? You know what's in my heart. Why am I here? Um, you might also be thinking though, like, that's it. That's, that's it. Like, that's my Wednesday. And so I, I understand, you know, the, the differences in our stories and our experiences. But my, my point here isn't to share with you every worst aspect of what's been in my life, right? We talk about vulnerability here at Bethany, but the point of vulnerability isn't to share everything in the deepest parts of you with everyone all the time, right? Um, so it's, it's not just to do that. My point isn't to share every dark failure from my life. And it also isn't to compare, right? Comparing one another's lives isn't the point. My point in all of this is simply to testify to our main point that God's mercy and his grace, that his love for us mean that we are always welcome to come back, to be close to him and to participate in his work. That with Jesus, regardless of where life has taken us or where we've taken ourselves, 
His love always welcomes us back. This is true, that God's love always welcomes me back. Can you say that? God's love always welcomes me back? It's hard to believe, I know. I know. But this is the truth of who God is and how he operates in our lives. There's no limit to how much he loves us and our missteps cannot keep, him from his, cannot keep us from his love. Now there's a voice in our head that tells us we can't go back. I think you know this voice. The voice that tells us that thing that you did or that part of who you are, there's no way God loves us and that grace, his grace can't apply to you. And I wanna say very clearly that voice is lying. That voice is lying to you. The voice is evil, it is wrong, and it is lying to you because Jesus' love always welcomes us back. It'll always welcome us back. God's mercy and his grace, our main point, mean that we are always welcome back to participate and be close to him. And Jesus told a lot of stories about this. This is a theme throughout his teaching, but I want to highlight one that's very well known, the story of the prodigal son. If you know it, you already know where I'm going with this. But if you don't, just a quick overview the story basically runs this way. It's the story of a son who totally walks away and rejects a relationship with his father. And his father's not a bad guy. He's a pretty good guy, actually. But the son totally walks away and rejects this. And then the son goes and just wastes everything the father, his father has ever given him, right? Which essentially leads to him ruining his life. He just hits rock bottom completely. The son eventually returns to his father, but simply because he's hoping that maybe he can get a job because his dad owns a pretty big business. He's thinking, maybe I can just get uh, a, a job as a laborer here. But the father's love, the father's love, this is how the story ends, the father's love is so great that his only thought is to celebrate the return of his son and to welcome him back into his family. That's the message Jesus gives here. And this is a theme that is clearly repeated in Jesus' teachings that God's love will always welcome us back. Think about Think about Peter denying Jesus. Right? Think about how powerful this is. Peter, you got that in your mind? Peter, who's a friend of Jesus, who's walked with him, who's lived with him for three years. Think about that. Now think about this. Did you know that Jesus says plainly that denying him in front of people means that Jesus will deny you in front of the Father? Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Guaranteed, Peter would have heard Jesus teach this. And yet this is exactly what Peter does the night that Jesus is arrested. He denies being associated with Jesus. He denies having anything to do with Jesus. He even denies knowing Jesus at all. And what does Jesus do after his resurrection with Peter? When he meets Peter on the beach and they have a little lakeside chat, well, we would expect Jesus to maybe tell Peter off, right? To say something like, well, Peter, you faithless worm. I'm done with you. Like, even my love has its limits, right? That's the kind of mentality we're used to in our world. But that isn't what Jesus does. Jesus welcomes Peter back fully into relationship with himself. Jesus' love, it's like it pursues Peter, it wraps him up so that he can be part of God's family once again, be part of, of that family, be a son. And then, and then, not only that, but he invites Peter to feed my sheep, to come and be part of the work of changing the world with Jesus. That's what Peter gets invited into. So yeah, maybe I don't know everything that's going on in your life. Maybe nobody knows everything that's going on in your life. But get this, Jesus certainly does, and he has never stopped loving you. 
That is our message. There is no such thing as too far gone for Jesus. And I know many of you have said it. This is just going to be true. I know I've said it to myself too. God's grace and God's love, they can reach everyone else, but I'm too far gone. If you knew what was inside me, you would know that God can't love me. This is that voice lying to us. And what I do, I know what I've done in my life in those situations is I've assumed that God's grace is enough for everyone else, but somehow not for me, that I've fallen outside the line of where God's love reaches. And now I need to do the hard work of fixing myself enough to get close enough so that God can do the rest. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I'm sure I'm not alone in this. We, want, we think that we've wandered outside the limits of God's grace and that we have to, you know, fix ourselves up so that we can be good enough so that at least, you know, God will then be willing to love me again. But that is not how this works. God's grace and love, they are not limited in that way. If I had to, you know, I've had to deal with this many times before in my life and the stories I've shared and, and many others that there just isn't time for me to share right now where I've had to trust when Jesus says that just coming to me, just asking for help, just asking for healing and asking for forgiveness, that is enough. There's many times in my life where I've had to trust Jesus that this is actually true, just like Peter had to trust that this was actually true. Because after that conversation of the beach, what was Peter doing just a few weeks later? He was out in the streets preaching. He was out in the streets telling people, God loves you. We can come to him. He was helping other people experience the love and the grace that God had shown him as well because it was for everyone. You want to know something else? I'm so convinced of this. I think that of Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, the one who actually got him arrested and ultimately executed, I think that if Judas hadn't believed that he was too far gone, that he would have experienced the same thing as Peter that he would have experienced the same grace and love as Peter did. He would have experienced the same thing as the prodigal son who rejected his father, and that he would have experienced the same thing that you and I get to experience, which is full and complete love and grace and welcome with Jesus. This, this is the truth I want to testify to this morning, that there is never an end to God's grace, and there is no way for us to outpace his love he is always willing and always able to bring us back into relationship with himself so that we can participate in his family and in his work. The prodigal son, you know, he was welcomed back into family, but also, I don't know if you know this, there's a part in the story where the, where the father puts a ring on the son, right? That's kind of like saying, welcome back into the business. You get to sign the checks. You get to be part of what we're doing here. Peter was welcomed back not only into family with Jesus, but into being part of leading and shepherding and serving the church that Jesus called his sheep. We are welcomed back not only to be in relationship with Jesus, but to participate in his work. Now, does this mean, as Paul writes in the scriptures, does this mean that we can keep on sinning, keep on wandering away from Jesus, and then just, just expect grace and love to flow our way all the time? Well, no, that, that doesn't really make sense, right? We can't just wander away and then take advantage of God's grace and love. But can we just acknowledge this and remember this? Can we just remember that God's grace assumes we need his grace does that make sense? That God's grace already knows that we've wandered. God's grace already knows and understands that we're broken and that we can't do this on our own. And so we don't need to remind ourselves or people around us 
how terrible we are, just, just to remember, we're all terrible, now God loves you. That's not what Jesus does, right? God's grace assumes that we need his grace. We don't have to remind ourselves how bad we are, but we can just come to Jesus and remember and admit that we do need him. Just admit that we do need him. So if this is all true, then how do we actually do this? We want to get practical for a minute here. How do we all do this? Because since our main point is that God's mercy and his grace, that his love for us mean that we are always welcome back into relationship with him and into participating in his work, well then, what does that look like to actually turn to Jesus? How do we do that? How do we actually trust that we are never too far gone and trust his grace that we can participate as his family and in his work to change the world? Well, here's my invitation for us. It's actually super simple, and it's a consistent and constant message in the gospel. The way we do this is simply to come to Jesus. It's just come to Jesus. That's it. No strings attached. Just come to Jesus wherever you're at. Come to Jesus with whoever you are and whatever you feel about yourself. Come to Jesus honestly and humbly and vulnerably. Because as I said in the beginning... This message is for all of us, those of us who feel like we keep messing up so we feel like we aren't welcome, or those who are afraid to admit the real failures in our life, or those who feel like we've created too much of a wall between us and God. For those of us who feel stuck in any way, just come to Jesus. So for those of us that do feel like we're stuck in the same cycles and habits, that we feel like hopelessly lost, if you feel like maybe you let people down or you let people know what's going on, that they wouldn't welcome you anymore, you can just come to Jesus. There's no, there's no barrier to that. It's just turning to Jesus. For those of us who are afraid maybe to admit our weaknesses, we know what that's like. Afraid to admit to others or even to ourselves or to God of some hidden brokenness because you think that we need to fix them on our own first before we can come to Jesus. The invitation is simply come to Jesus. You don't need to fix it first. Just come to Jesus. And if you feel like you've created too big of a wall between yourself and God, that you've made too much of a gap between yourself and Jesus, maybe you were close to Jesus at a time, but you've walked away, you've wandered away, and now you're wondering, can I come back? Or maybe you weren't interested in Jesus for most of your life, or maybe you were even hostile towards Jesus, but now something's changed and you're thinking, I'm kind of curious about Jesus. Am I allowed to come? The invitation's the same for all of us. Just come to Jesus. We can all know that Jesus never turns away anyone who wants to be close to him. This is such a great thing about our God, that he never turns away anyone who just wants to be close to him. He doesn't reject us in our failure is a really powerful and a really beautiful prophecy about Jesus from the book of Isaiah. It doesn't speak of Jesus specifically by name, but it looking forward to the Messiah, to the one that will rescue us. And Isaiah 42, verse 3, this is what we read. He, being Jesus, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. You think about a weak reed, like a reed already is kind of flimsy. It gets blown over in the wind. It's really easy to walk by and just break. But Jesus won't even, won't do that to the, to the weakest reed. He's always gentle, always compassionate. He won't put out a flickering candle. When we feel like we're just gasping for air, like we're just on the verge of going out and we've got so much failure, so much that we feel we've messed up in. He's compassionate and he's gentle and he doesn't reject us in our failure. 
Whatever is making us feel that we can't come to Jesus, whatever is making us feel that his love and his grace doesn't apply to us, the invitation is always the same. Just come to Jesus. But then how do we do that? How do we come to Jesus? Because for many of us, it might not actually be that obvious, and I totally get that. In church, sometimes we will just talk about the, these things of like, come to Jesus or trust Jesus, but then like, how do we actually do that? And sometimes we're not always clear about that. So in the last little bit of time that I have, I just want to attempt to be as clear as I can about how we can do that today, how you can start this today and through the week. The first thing that we can do is simply coming to Jesus in prayer. Simply that, in prayer, just talking, literally talking with Jesus and just telling him where you're at, picturing him in the room with you, in the seat beside you while you're driving, wherever you are, just imagining him there and, and talking to him. We have a prayer room that's over to my left. I'll mention that again later at the end of the service. But there's people in there who would love to pray with you and help you begin this process if you'd like to. But just come in prayer, telling him our fears of being unwelcome, telling him we want to experience the love that the prodigal son experienced when he came to his father. We can go in prayer, come to Jesus, and just say, I want to experience the grace that Peter was shown when you spoke to him on the beach. We can just come to Jesus in prayer. It's as simple as that. Just pray. Just talk to Jesus. There's no barrier to that. Any of us can just pray with Jesus. Another practical way to come to Jesus is, like the prodigal son, actually choosing to admit where we've gone wrong. Just choosing to admit, to acknowledge, this is where I regret my decisions. This is where I regret how I've lived my life. And this isn't about punishment. This isn't about making us feel bad or making you feel bad. And it's not about acknowledging what you've done wrong so you can fix yourself up and then go to Jesus so that he'll be willing to help you. But it's simply a way to admit to Jesus what you regret about our life so that he can show you forgiveness and grace. This has been such a powerful thing in my life and the stories I shared and others where I've just gone back to him and said, I found myself here again. I've walked away. I've wandered away from you. I regret that I've done this. I need your grace. I need your love. Please welcome me back into community with you, into relationship with you. So we can pray. We can talk with Jesus, Jesus honestly. We can admit what we regret so that we can experience forgiveness. And then we can also come to Jesus and just ask him to show us how we can join in his work of changing the world. Because in case this wasn't clear, changing the world is not really unique to Bethany's mission. Changing the world is actually the mission that Jesus gave his entire church, and we're just trying to be as faithful to that as we know how. So you and I, we can come to Jesus, we can share where we're at, we can talk to him in prayer, trusting his love and his welcome for us, but then I'd encourage you to be sure to ask him how you can join him in his work of sharing his love and of sharing his grace with other people. Just like with Peter, didn't just get welcomed back into community, but was told, go feed my sheep, go share, go sacrifice, go lead, go shepherd, go care for other people. How does God want us not only to, to experience his love, but then ask him, how can we be part of sharing your life-transforming news with others around us. That is a really good message of hope because you and I, all of us, each one of us in this room right now, 
are invited to participate in God's work by coming to Jesus and knowing that none of us are too far gone, but rather that God's love and grace, that they can and it does reach each and every one of us. There is no exclusion to this. So we can come to Jesus by praying. We can come to Jesus by admitting where we've wandered away from him, where we need his help so that we can experience his forgiveness and experience his love and grace. And we can come to Jesus and ask how we can be part of sharing his love and grace with others. And obviously, if you've been here with us for any length of time, you know that what I'm going to say next is simply that this is best done with others. We also want to do this with others who want to know and follow Jesus because experiencing Jesus and following him is always best done in community with others. We call this our Jesus-centered communities. We talk about home churches a lot here. Home churches are a place where we want to make following Jesus both relational and practical. And these are great spaces to do that as a way to connect in community. And so if you're not part of one yet or you're interested, uh, now is a great time to be considering this because our fall home church season is starting in the middle of September and there's time you can come talk to me after the service. You can talk to someone you know who's in a home church about joining their home church. We can also help you start a new home church. But apart from home churches, we also have Celebrate Recovery on Thursdays. This is such an incredible community where people come together to do exactly what we've been talking about, to trust that Jesus is at work in them, that they are never too far gone. It's another beautiful Jesus-centered community. And then on Tuesdays, we have our youth ministry, which is for students in grades 6 to grade 12. And it's an incredible, again, connection space where people are uh, journeying together, not only to know Jesus, but to be led by him together. And all of these, the home churches, celebrate recovery youth for all of them. They're all places where we can together gather and admit to one another where we need Jesus and remind each other that we're invited to come to Jesus because it's so easy to believe that lie that we're not really wanted, right? I know that's been true in my life and I've needed people in my life to remind myself, God hasn't left you. You're not too far gone for Jesus. And it's in community with others, a few other disciples of Jesus, where we get to come to Jesus and remember that his love and his grace for us mean that we are always welcome back to participate in his work and to be close to him. So that is my invitation for all of us today. For anyone who wants to be close to Jesus, but isn't sure if you're allowed or wanted, just to come to Jesus because his love and his grace, they are for you too. For anyone who feels they're too far gone, just to know that his love and his grace, they reach you too. And I've lived this in my life too many times and for too long where I felt the opposite, where I thought that somehow God's grace didn't reach me. It reached everyone else. It didn't reach me. And I've learned that there are so many people who believe that lie as well. And so I today just wanted to testify to the truth that we are all welcome, all welcome that how God's love actually works is that he reaches to us and he draws us in because his love and his mercy and his grace mean that we are all welcome back to be close to him and to participate in his work. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that um, the truth of this message would be clear to us today. I pray that you would um, Please meet us in all the spaces we find ourselves in. For any of us who feel unsure about whether your love really is for us, for any of us who wonder whether we can really come back to you after what we've done or what we've experienced, I pray that you help us to know the truth and to trust that in your love and in your grace, 
there's always space to come back to you, to come back and simply let you work in us, let you change us and let you heal us because we need that. Continue to work in us today. Continue to work in us in this week as your people, as your church, as your family so that we can not only receive this and be close to you in our day-to-day life, but so we can learn how to share this with other people and join you in your work of changing the world around us. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, our prayer room is open uh, through the doors on my left, and there's people there who would love to meet with you, listen to you, and pray with you. Other than that, I hope that you will hold on to this truth through today and through this week, that none of us are ever too far gone, that God's grace is for all of us, and that you can share that with people in your life this week. Grace and peace, everybody.